Welcome to the next episode of our Cumbria Events Eventing Talk podcast. I'd like to introduce my next guest, who is one of our many young riders on the eventing circuit. Casey Finch is an 18-year-old event rider from Cumbria and is currently competing at BE100 with her horse, Hottie, otherwise known as PRF Some Like It Hot. I'm going to chat with her today about her plans for the season and a little bit about how they got together as a partnership. So welcome to the show, Casey. Just to start off, how has your week gone so far? It's been great, thank you. It's been very busy. I've just finished running a camp where I work. So we've had lots of kids and horses. So running on little energy, but it's been good. Amazing. So, because oh, it's Easter holidays, isn't it? So you'll yeah. have young children sort of up, up to 10 or older than 10? Yeah. And what do you do with them? Um, so they come and it's it's a bit like a pony club camp. So it's run at the private school stables where I work and they ride twice a day, have stable management lessons. Amazing. They must be absolutely exhausted as well. Yeah, it's very full on. Have you ever done pony club camp? I have when I was younger, yeah. Do you remember the talking with your friends till like two in the morning and then crashing out and then not being able to function? Oh, well, that's cool. Um, So, well, thank you for coming along. I'm I'm sorry your week's been so busy. We'll just chat (laughs) through and then I I believe you've got a busy day anyway after this. So, yeah, lesson planned. Is that right? Dressage lesson straight after this and then getting ready for tomorrow's event. Amazing. Your first event of the season because... Sadly, so far, they've all been cancelled, but um, you're heading to Breckenborough. I am, yes. And that's for the BE100? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about Hottie. Um, how did you meet her? She is a beautiful chestnut mare. I'm a big fan of chestnuts. I love ori- anything orange, so we're, <laughs> we're good there. But tell me a bit about Hottie, how you met, um, how long you've been together, and then actually what your plans are for the season ahead. Yeah, so I first saw... I found Hottie on Horse Quest. Um, I'd been non-stop looking for my first horse because I had finished on the ponies. Um, and I saw her advert top of the page and I knew she'd just gone on. And I instantly messaged the seller asking for videos and more info. And um, I sent it to my mother and she was like, I don't want a chestnut mare. No, <laughs> we're not having one. And I was like, no, just give her a chance. Cause uh, she had a chestnut mare when she was my age as well. So I was like, you had one, you know, we can do it. Um, and I basically booked the viewing without telling her. <laughs> I booked Brilliant. the viewing, like, right, I booked it, we have to go. So we went down and it was a few hours, about three and a half hours away. Um, and as soon as I rode her, I instantly knew uh, that she was the one. I just clicked with her straight away and mum saw that I clicked with her and yeah, we definitely made the right decision. And is she, a ta- is she quite a fiery mare or is she quite lazy? Like how, how, what kind of horse do you enjoy? Like what kind of horse is she? She definitely lives up to her name. She is a feisty chestnut mare. Um, a few years ago, it wouldn't be the type of horse I'd go for, but now nah, I absolutely love her. She's she definitely keeps you on a te- on your toes, but um, I wouldn't change her for the world. And you got her. You've had her for this is your second year with her, or your third year with her? I got her at the end of 2021, so still relatively newish. And like. I was having a look at your BE record because I, I do that. Um, and I noticed that she's had, like, you've had lots of fun with her last season, um, competing through 90 up to 100. 
Um, clear cross country every time out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, she's, that's she's a cross country machine. She, amazing. That's cool. So after Breckenborough this year, what's your plans for the season ahead? Um, so after Breckenborough, we go to Richmond for the 100. Uh, that was originally going to be my first novice, but because of the cancellations early on in the season, was like, no, we'll delay it a bit. We won't push it. We do a Richmond 100 and then our first novice will be Frenchfield, one of the Cumbria Horse Trial fixtures. I was really happy about seeing that as my first novice because it's such a lovely event. Um, and I think it's a really nice course for stepping up to that level, like a level. Yeah, I think it asks for, um, you know, it's up to height, but it's actually like really flowing. Horses have good view of what's coming up, that it's not a surprise to them. I think the novice runs well at Frenchfield, actually. I've I've ridden in snowstorm, actually, around Frenchfield. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen this year. Yeah. And then, and then actually, because we chatted before we started, the big news is that you're aiming this year, and it's penciled in, to do yeah. one stars. Yes. So my first international year, uh, I'm very excited. <laughs> so have you gone on, um, got planned, everything planned ahead? Do you know like what you've got to do for an international, like bridal numbers and so on? So, right, what have you what have you done to research doing the one star? Um, I've talked to a couple of my friends who have done a few internationals. They've helped out a lot and I'm one of them. As soon as I hear the news of summer, I instantly start planning like months in advance. When Douglas posted about the one star at Warwick Hall, I bought a tailcoat that night. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> it was like before December. It was ages ago. Um, just waiting to wear it. Uh, but yeah, I've been researching everything and I feel more prepared now. It's so nice as well. I love internationals because of the 20 by 60 arena. As yeah. dressage as well. I mean, dressage is not my forte. Um, I don't know which is your favourite phase, so I'll ask you that in two seconds. But I, uh, I just love a twenty by sixty arena. I think it's, I think it's slightly more fun to ride around. So, which yeah, is your favourite phase? Um, it would have to be cross country, but closely <laughs> followed by dressage as well. Okay, good. And I, and have you done any twenty by sixty tests? I have. So I did one at the under eighteen champs. Um, so that was my first experience of riding in the long arena. That's great. That leads us very nicely onto that conversation, actually. So uh, we'll come back to the one star in a minute. But um, you last year you competed, you represented the northern region at the under 18 championships. So how did you get into that? How did you know about it for any of our listeners who are new to eventing? Any of our yeah. young riders? How did you find out about it? And then tell us all about how, how it went. So. I first started to know about the under 18 champs through social media of seeing people that I follow go and do on go and do them um, and I was always really interested in it I thought it was really cool you know to represent somewhere and have all the team kit and stuff um, so I started to read a book about it and then the year I did it was the first year they put on a 90 um, so that was really good for me because that was a level I was competing at with the pony at the time. Um, the process of getting selectors is very long. Um, you almost really, I had a full year of doing the under 18 classes with the selectors watching you. And then the year after that, I got selected. Feel a bit more of the pressure when you go and do the under 18 class because you know they're watching you and you want to do your best. 
but they give you such a good amount of support and like they just coach you through the day and they're a really nice bunch of people. And then actually it's a team thing, isn't it? Is it a team yeah. competition? Yeah, so 10 riders get selected for the 90, 100 and the two star. So there's a bunch of you that go and you make a lot of friends. And then everyone just roots for everyone. I, I mean, I love one of the things I love about the eventing world is this eventing community that we have and how supportive yeah. everybody is of one another. And it must feel a bit under pressure because you're in a team, therefore you need to pull out the bag for the team, but also yeah. that you're actually with lots of friends and you do get to meet lots of people. Yeah, we definitely made a lot of friends. We set up a group chat before when we all got knew we got selected, so we all got to know each other before. You have your squad training camp a couple of weeks before the championship, so that's a really good icebreaker. You'll make your friends there before you get to the championship. So anyone who's interested in um, going and taking part in that, the way to do that, I guess, um, is to look for the under 18 classes. They've changed the format slightly this year for the qualifying process. They've made it a bit easier and more inviting, which is really good. But I recommend, I remember when I did it, they said you have to do two to be in the picking process to be able to be picked. But I recommend doing as many as possible. If you're going to an event and there's a normal section and an under 18 section, do the under 18 section. The more runs you can get in, the more they watch you. That's really good advice for sure. And well done for that. That's fantastic. Like um, going out and taking part in team stuff is, yeah. I, well, I really enjoy it, but also is quite brave as well, you know, so well done. Um, gives you good things to go forwards with and brings you into this year, which we're coming back to the one star now for a bit further chat. You are aiming for Warwick one star, but you are also planning on doing um, other internationals this year. Is that right? So at the end of the year, I'd really like to do the two star longer Osberton. That's a big step up, but I'm going to do my MERs through the season. If one goes wrong, then that's fine. Then we'll just replan for the next year. I like to have an end goal to try and set myself. I think that it's, I think that's a really good thing to have goals for, for anyone um, listening. Their goals are really important, but actually you write them in pencil really don't you so you plan it like you say so you've got Osberton in mind as a two-star which is fantastic by the way I love Osberton um but also that if you don't end up getting your MERs in time or perhaps you're not happy with one of them or something doesn't quite go according to plan well mm. that's fine too you'll just push yeah. it into next year instead and yeah. you know it's much better to be quite fluid isn't it but also have that goal in mind otherwise you're never going to get all your runs in time it's definitely like i keep saying to everyone that's my goal but you know hot tea's done only one season of event and this is going into our second so to go from 100 to two star in quite a short space of time it's quite a lot to ask and i'm i don't want to push her in the slightest if i think i've run in too much that season you know slow it down and just preserving her you know she's got so many years left in her and they've, venting we've got loads of time i feel um i feel old sometimes i'm um, talking to <laughs> young riders <laughs> but um that's cool actually um that leads me on we were talking about your mum before having a chestnut mare so um your mum is has been horsey her whole life has she she has always had horses her parents weren't horsey but uh she got into it and she had a 15 to liver chestnut mare 
So she was small but mighty and she went uh, old, it's an old three star but new four star on her and was long listed for the Europeans. So she was a very cool, very cool horse and rider. That sounds amazing. So I guess yeah. she is one of your biggest, well, she will be your biggest fan um, yeah. and probably your biggest support crew, is she? Yeah, definitely. I couldn't do it without her. She's she's really good and it's so nice to have someone who knows about everything about the eventing and stuff and I guess yeah, she's probably she's really good, good for like she's probably really good for course walking and um yeah, and that sort of is. like helpful coaching do you yeah. have do you have her as a good coach or do you fall out no I do she is a good coach I do listen to her sometimes you want to disagree but then you're like no she knows what she's talking about just keep quiet and listen um yeah. but no she's Right. She's always been the coach. You know, when I did pony club champs and riding club championships when I was younger, she was always the course walker and she helped the whole team out. But she's always been known as that that role. Well, she sounds cool. I I would like to meet her when you come to yeah. Warwick. Um, do bring her over, and I can yeah. get a chat with her about how she's feeling about you doing your first one star as well. <laughs> um. So if you've got Osbourne as a two star setup, so I um. I guess you, because you've got Breckenborough this weekend and you've got these plans ahead, what kind of um, training and preparation have you done this, you know, leading up to Breckenborough to get ready for the season ahead? How do you get hottie fit? And then also what are your sort of like training plans throughout the season? Do you have anything penciled in at the moment? Leading up to an event, especially the first one, I like to keep her work like very, very like big variety. I don't like to pressure and doing this one thing, you know, loads of dressage right before. Um, hacking plays a massive part in my training. We're very lucky to have amazing hacking around us. Um, a lot of it's privately owned estate, so it's really good to go training on and, you know, there's counter tracks everywhere and stuff. So the fitness wise, the hacking is really important for me. And I have weekly dressage lessons so that helps a lot as well. And do you give her a, you give her time off going into like winter? And then when do you pick her up to get her fit? Um, because you know, I know that you were entered for one of the earlier events, which was cancelled. Mm -hmm. So you were planning on going out late March to your first event. When do you start bringing her back into work? Or is she one of those horses that ticks over um, over the winter time and? and has like a week or two off, but is one of those horses that doesn't like having a break, like mine, who always goes and yeah. breaks himself if he has time off. So after the last event of the season, I like to try give her a month off. Um, but she hates being out of work and she gets a bit of a handful on the ground. Um, so I try give her the month off and then I just slowly have almost then a month of just quiet work you know a lot of hacking and just light schooling sessions nothing too not a lot of pressure on her and then about two months before the first event I'll then start getting her more fit and doing a lot more in like a bit more longer hacks and schooling sessions and start then jumping her again and then how long is it when you say longer hacks do you mean like a couple of hour hacking or um is it an hour because you say you've got lots of canter tracks so I guess you can do a lot of like slightly in, like increased energy hacks. So is they short burst ones or do you tend to go for like an hour and a half or right around the forestry or the estate for hours and hours on end? 
Yeah, so usually at the minute, the longest I do is like two hour hacks, but you could just go out all day with the hacking. There's no limit of how, you know, the routes. Um, with Hottier, I tend to go out on my own. She's not the, she's quite a feisty to hack out sometimes, especially this time of the year when she knows she's going to go eventing soon. Um, I've been out a few times with us and she's okay, but she prefers to be out by herself. And uh, and I guess once you've clipped her out ready for the season ahead, <laughs> that makes her even more of a handful. <laughs> yeah, that's always a fun time of trying to stay on. Grab your neck strap. <laughs> you uh, mentioned it. So in the earlier chats, we were chatting about the phases and I asked if your favourite, what your favourite phase was and you mentioned cross country. And then you said, but you also like dressage. So that means you've yeah. bypassed show jumping completely. Um, so I'm guessing that show jumping is not your strongest phase or your preferred phase of all of them. No, it surprises a lot of people, but show jumping scares me. I don't <laughs> like it. Um, I don't like how the fences can move, which a lot of people find odd how I hurl myself towards a solid fence and be scared of one that can fall down really easily. Um, it's kind of weird that, a, isn't it? Yeah, I've had a couple of bad show jumping falls, so I think it, I always think about that. Um, and a lot of the time it's been either me going straight into one or the jump falling on top of me or a leg getting stuck between the poles. Um, so I always have that in the back of my mind. And so how do you, because um, obviously a lot of our listeners will be um, in a similar boat to you, because I think that actually across the eventing community, there's a lot of people who don't like show jumping. Mm -hmm. um, and actually many people will say, if I didn't have the show jumping, I would be quite happy just to go dressage cross country. Yeah. Whereas I'm opposite. I'd rather just bypass the dressage and do the show jumping yeah. cross country. Um, but for a lot of people, show jumping is their nemesis and, um, mm -hmm. and actually can cause a huge amount of anxiety. So for you, how do you get over that? Like if you are at a show and you look at the course and in your head, you get those like, you get those like negative worms that start eating into your brain that say, gosh, that looks a bit big. Or you see <laughs> other riders having problems on the course. Does that affect you? How do you deal with that? Um, so show, for show jumping, it's probably the worst thing I can do, but I don't walk my courses on the day. If I go up the night before to walk the course, I can walk it then, but I cannot walk it on the day. I think the jumps look massive walking them in person. Um, so I watch quite a lot of horses jump and so I know the strides and told, you know, through the doubles and stuff. I know which lines I want to take, um, but that helps my nerves not to go up close to them until I'm on the horse and then it's fine. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's why I do. I do a lot of show jump practice to help me and a lot of grid work. Um, so I train a lot more on the show jumping than the cross country. Say if I have an event one weekend and an event the weekend after, I won't jump in between. But if we have a weekend gap, I would jump. And I typically like to do grid work more than course jumping because uh, I think it's a lot more beneficial for the horse. Yeah, and it helps because you... It helps because it keeps you on the right rhythm, doesn't it? And it helps you not interfere with the horse because I'm, I'm a bit of a fiddler in that I you know, will do a bit, try and do a bit too much to set them up. Yeah. And so actually I agree, I think grid work's really good for them and it kind of just helps. And I'm also, it's funny because um, 
you say about how people think it's really odd when you think about stuff but I totally agree with the whole like non-walking the course thing in the mm. sense that I would walk a course and I generally do um I walk where I plan to ride unless of course I do think it looks massive and it gives me the heebies yeah. Um, because I didn't walk my show jumping course at Dalkeith in the intermediate a few years ago because I looked at it and went, that is way too big for me. <laughs> and uh, and amazing, I watched like half a dozen of the riders ahead of me jump round, looked at all the distances that they rode it on, watched how they rode them and then went round and jumped it and actually jumped it fine. Now, I appreciate that listeners are probably like, oh my God, you should have walked the course. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree that I, I can totally understand why you um, why you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but wouldn't it be amazing if you were allowed to just walk the course on horseback? Um, yeah. <laughs> walk around it all. They make it look smaller then. Yeah, they, do. they do. And actually to the horses, like, you know, um a hundred novice and it actually ha- horses that jump intermediates it's it's not massive for them they've managed just no. fine um in my head it's that whole like jumping although jumping is my preferred one dressage not so much um so i find that dressage is the thing that gets me oddly it you wouldn't think that would you because it doesn't seem like such a scary face no <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um well that's quite good i think um i think the regular jumping thing is actually really important i for anyone who actually is really nervous about jumping and finds it really um, uh, worrying um, and, and causes a lot of stress and anxiety. One of the things I don't do either is I don't jump the height at home that I would be jumping in competition. Um, mm-hmm. I know some people say you should jump bigger at home than you do when you're out and about. But I think that adrenaline and getting your sort of like your adrenaline and your blood up is actually mm-hmm. really helpful <laughs> to jump bigger tracks. Um, yeah. So for me, jumping like 120 at home definitely isn't isn't beneficial, um, unless I have a coach standing on the ground shouting at me. But I think one of the things that's really good is re- is jumping regularly so that you sort of don't get as rusty. Yeah, when I come back from, you know, the winter break and stuff and start getting jumping again, yeah, really, it, it really affects you because you start, fiddle so much thinking you can't ride and nothing ever comes on the right stride but once you get back into the rhythm it's then okay you're like oh my god how can i not ride anymore this is awful (laughs) so what's your favorite type of grid then what would you if i said um i've got 2540 arena and i've got a few jumps and i want to build a grid what kind of grid would you say build this you'll have fun doing it um, so I like to have either a really high cross pole going in or an upright to get the feet picked up. And then I like to have a bounce in the middle. Um, so I think that keeps the horse really quick thinking. And then I'd probably have another upright, say if I had a cross pole going in, and then a spread to come out. And I like to put V poles on a lot of the time because it just keeps the horse straight, jumping out. And um, you can angle them so it teaches them to go on the right leg coming out. Um, and it makes them do a better shape over the fence. That seems like a really good grid design. I like that as well. I do like bounce work, actually. It's quite nice, isn't it? Just to get them a bit sharper. Although I find it really hard to ride a bounce. <laughs> Just yes, <'cause> <laughs> trying not to get left behind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So that's been great chatting to you. I've got, um, just want to go back to the Warwick one star and have a wee chat more about your tail coat because I'm always really interested. So tell us a little bit about your color scheme. If anyone's at Warwick and they're watching cross country, they can keep an eye out for you. So tell us about the colors that you wear and a little bit about your tail coat. So my cross country colors are quite basic. I'm not, I've never been into super super bright colours. I think that's from my mother being quite traditional as a kid. There was no matchy match allowed. I was like, colours were allowed to go, but not full on. I just have a navy hat silk with a navy t-shirt and a white base layer underneath, um, which I think looks really smart and clean. Yeah. Um, it's not the best for trying to spot you out in the cross country cast. And then my tail coat, is navy, I'm definitely more of a navy person than a black person. Um, and it has some subtle crystal details on the collar and the pockets. Um, a subtle blink, but not massive. <laughs> I think navy's a great color and it does look super smart, as you say. Like, And um, I'm a big fan of white saddlecloths as well. Like, um, yeah. Even though orange is my favorite color. Um, for anyone listening, I'm surprised you don't know that. Um, <laughs> so, but orange is my favourite colour, so everything's orange. But I don't actually wear orange um, saddlecloths or um, things because actually I really like white as a saddlecloth. I think it hangs yeah. out really well from um, on, on a distance, and when it's clean, it just I don't know, it just looks really smart. I, I, I yeah. think it's probably that thing that when you grow up and you see white horses, like white saddlecloths competing, you're just ingrained into that it's a good <laughs> thing. But um, yeah, that's my passion. I have like lots and lots of white saddlecloths, which I, I prefer. So yeah, I think I really like navy and I think navy is nicer than black. I know we're randomly going off topic now, but um, <laughs> I think for anyone who's choosing to go cross country, the reason I picked orange originally is not only is it my favourite colour, but also because um, in the old days of eventing, you used to get photographs from the photographer on a sheet of paper with little tiny squares on it of little mm -hmm. thumbnails of your image that they'd taken. So there's a sheet of like all the riders and then and you had to scan through and if you rode a bay horse, um, then it, like every other horse was bay, so you were like He's looking for hours in this list. So if you want bright colours, you were like, "There's me, <laughs> that's yeah. me, right there." Um, so I chose orange as um, my colour because a it was my favourite, but also because it was spotted on a thumbnail list. I used to be in purple when I did start eventing. I was in purple because um, it was one of my sponsors' colours, so I had her logos on it. Um, but if I think if I had to choose a colour now, it'd probably be, I'd still stick the navy hats up, but probably a teal, like a tealy base layer, like some sort of blue. So that's still it. on the blue scale, but a bit brighter. Well, that's cool. I think navy looks smart and I'll see you out at um, the horse trials anyway and wave as you go past. Um, yeah. So just to finish off, actually, so we talked a little bit about um, Hottie um, and talked, mentioned a little bit about your work and stuff. So are you riding other horses at the moment? Do you ride regularly anything other than Hottie? Yeah, so I part own a four-year-old, Connemara. Uh, he's just turned five, actually, a couple of days ago. Uh, we got him from Ireland the very end of the year, it was, um, at Galsbridge. So I have him to produce, um, I'm gonna get him out a little bit. I don't know if I'm gonna do affiliated eventing on him, but I'll definitely do like the Cumbria Horse Trials event at Derby's, because I think they're really good 
to introduce a young horse into eventing um, and then I will probably sell him end of the year once he's been out and about quite a bit. So you wouldn't be able to convince yourself to keep two or do you just like focusing all your attention on Hottie? I like to keep my focus on Hottie especially this year because going into the down the international route I really want to focus on her but I've always loved producing horses and having a little one along the side so once he goes another one will probably come in um, to keep them both ticking over and it takes pressure off Hottie as well you know if I have two week gap in between eventing and I don't want to run Hottie I can take the young one out somewhere um, so it definitely helps her out as well. Well, that's cool. A very best of luck for your season with those two. Um, I yeah, I think that's coming to the end of our podcast now. Um, I uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how you get on at Warwick. I am very excited about the One Star this year, um, and I just I can't wait to see what it's going to look like, and I can't wait to see where the dressage arena will be positioned and the show jumping yeah. track and stuff and. I just, um, I can't wait to see everyone in tailcoats as well. It's just yeah. phenomenal. Um, yeah. So I will come over and see you when you're at Warwick. Um, and probably badger you for an interview if I can. Yeah. Um, and I hope you have a really good season. So for any yeah. of our listeners, just to finish off, as an under 18, as a young rider, you're not under 18 now, but as a young rider, is there anything advice that you would give to anybody who hasn't evented before, is interested in doing it, but doesn't really know where to start? Like, what kind of advice would you pass on to someone who doesn't really know what you know at this stage? Yeah, so I would, if you're not convinced you're going to do a full season of eventing and just want a taster, day tickets are a great start. And, and talk to people. I think it's so important to message someone, you know, I will speak to anyone. I've had a few people in my pony club ask me about eventing and the under-18s. So I think definitely get a support crew around you because they will really help you out. Um, and just enjoy it. It's, you know, people think as soon as you go into the affiliated world, it's really pressurising, but it can also be a lot of fun. Um, I love it now. I was a bit nervous to start with, especially doing the under-18s. But once you get friends and... You take the pressure off yourself it's really fun well that's cool thank you so much for this for coming along and um joining in this podcast um i really appreciate it um i appreciate it can also be a bit daunting being interviewed and it being recorded yeah. for this so thanks so much um i look forward to seeing you and i definitely owe you a hot chocolate from the amazing catering that will be at cumbria events this season thank you for having me it's been really fun and so for our listeners, um, thank you for listening. Head over to the Cumbria Events page to find out more about what's happening this season. Have a read about Warwick One Star. Do come along and watch, even if you're not going to compete, because it is going to be so exciting. There is much planned this season with Cumbria Events. And don't forget to subscribe if you want to continue listening to these episodes. Thank you for listening. Thank you.